0: Right, good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. See, I'm, what I'm doing, yeah, I'm saving you having to say good morning another time, you know. So you don't have to worry about that. So I'll just say good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. And then you can respond. Hello. Yeah. And then that way we get to kind of greet each other and it's, a, it's friendly. It's nice. All right. Well, we're glad to have you here today. Glad to have some new faces here and we welcome you and... Trust that you will find the presence of the Lord here and uh, and a, a place it, as a place that honors his word. Also, uh, I put out or um, put together um, and they pass them around. Some of you have them. I don't know whether everybody has them, like a, yeah, a study guide. Now, it's kind of cheesy. I'm not real proud of that one because it's kind of like my first week out, but I'm, um, I'm never comfortable altogether with the fact that I don't leave you anything to go home and kind of review. And I know that you know we we I tend to put most of the I put the scripture verses up here, which works against you bringing your Bible and actually opening your Bible. And I certainly encourage you to do that. Um, I use a variety of different texts. I'll use ESV. I'll use New King James. Every once in a while, even the Proverbs that we're going to look at here this morning are from New Living Translation, which is a paraphrase. This isn't something that I normally, not my go-to, but it uh, just seemed to work so well to, to lay this out in very plain and simple and easy to access terms. So um, <clears throat> take that study guide, I'm going to work on a format and try to polish it up a little bit, but at least you'll have somewhat of a review of what it, whatever it was um, that I had to share with you on any particular Sunday. And and then that way I can go back and find out what it is that I actually said. You know, I, I like to get the CD or something and go back and find out what really happened there when the Spirit of God came into the mix. Anyway, all right, here's what we want to do. Um, oh yeah, let me, let me also just mention, and it may have been this very thing that um, interfered with our Custom or our practice and of of um, quoting the creed together, and of course anything can become perfunctory and ritualistic if we let it. Right? In other words, it could just be a thing well, over and over. Song service can be less, so we just do a couple of songs. But none of it should be that way. Right? When we when we are here and together. Everything should be of high significance and high value. Anyway, in the, uh, in the creed, it says there at the end, we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And for some people, that's a point of confusion or at least a question mark. What, what do we mean by Catholic? Well, the word, we're not, of course, a Roman Catholic church. I come from Roman Catholicism, Catholic school, altar boy, you know, deeply into that whole tradition, um. And then just kind of got away from it when, in my late teens. And the Lord thankfully reeled me back in at 25 years old. And that's how we got on the right track. The, the word Catholic means universal. And so when that is added into, or when that's um, recited in the, in the, in the creed, um, what it's saying is we believe in one holy, universal, apostolic church. Okay, and the church certainly is universal. We have been to places all over the world been to haiti been to mexico been to uganda been to where else um and in every place that we've gone, there have been believers, in some cases we speak the language, in some cases uh, the language is foreign to us, but the Spirit is the same. And when, we, when you get together with other believers, whatever language, whatever tongue, whatever tribe, whatever nation they happen to come from, if they love the Lord and they are saved and they are filled with the Holy Spirit, you sense it right off the bat. So the church is Catholic. It is universal. It is one. Uh, it is one worldwide. It is it is universal in that it contains. What do I want to go off on that? <laughs> no, I can't afford to do that this morning. Anyway, so that's that's the point, and I, and I hope that you will find the creed to be something that that edifies you and helps you to know. Okay, this is this is these are the fundamentals. You know, it's it's not anywhere near as important whether or not the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation, mid-tribulation, or post-tribulation. We can argue about that all we want. Right now, we've got the whole culture against Christ. All right? And the best thing that we can do is get united on the fundamentals. Okay? So we don't have to argue about when the rapture's coming or eschatology in general or things like that, right? We want to be grounded and solidly grounded in the Word of God on who Jesus is, what He has done, who the Father is, who the Holy Spirit is, and why that is of vital interest to you and I. Amen? Amen. All right, good. Here we go. So we we have been in Proverbs now for a month, actually. We started a month ago. um, And um, I, I think the Father's Day message a month ago was the fact that there are 10 messages in Proverbs 1 through 10, from a father to a son. So that was our, kind of our starting point. And then three weeks ago, we, we, we touched on a critical issue. I want to touch that one again today because it's so important, as you'll see as we look at our, our texts here and our, our memory texts. Um, this is the critical issue in terms of the foundation of all of this, and it is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of knowledge But fools despise wisdom and discipline. And so the fear of the Lord is fundamental. In order to gain the blessings, to gain the advantages that come from reading and studying and learning the Proverbs, which are many, which we'll look at here this morning, um, they are all grounded. They all start with fear of the Lord. And I'm going to take just a little bit of time this morning to make sure we understand that concept because it's of vital interest. So, should I ask you to stand up one more time? Yeah. Yeah. You want to stand, let's stand up one more time because we'll do our memory verses here. Our memory for last month was Proverbs 1, 1 through 5. Memory, uh, or maybe 1 through 4. Uh, This month it is Proverbs 1, 5 through 7. And it's kind of the whole introduction to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is wonderful because it just lays it right out for us. It says, this is what the Proverbs are for. And if we are wise or interested in becoming wise, we will hear what... Um, the introduction is saying, and then realize, man, this, this can be real helpful to me. I got to get on board with all of this. So here we go. Let's uh, let's put those up, and we will quote them together. Yes, no? Ah, oh, that's right. I got the thing. Sorry, Danny. <laughs> I got the thing, but it, you know, it's, it's no friend of mine. This thing, as you know, Wisdom One Hundred and One: Embracing the Purpose of Proverbs. Here we go. Let's read it together. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. And then let's go on to this month's passage that we are learning and memorizing. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time to be together. Thank you for this place that you have so abundantly provided for us. We thank you, Lord God, for everyone who's here and uh, we believe that everyone is here by your eternal plan and design. And so we pray, and, and you alone, O oh Lord God, know the issues and the needs and the concerns and the burdens and the joys and all of the individual things that are part of each of our lives. And we thank you, Lord, that you do, you know us in, that, in, in the deepest personal, you know, you know the real truth about every aspect of our life. And so, Lord, thank you for this time to be together. Thank you for this place that you have given. We just pray your presence over us this morning, your spirit to move upon us and within us to teach and to take this this word that you have given and to graft it deeply into our spirit so that it becomes part of us. So, Lord God, be glorified, we pray, through your word here this morning. May you be glorified. May your people be edified. May the devil be terrified. Pray this now in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Nah, I changed my mind. I'm only kidding. Now, then it is like Catholic Church. Is that what somebody just said over there? You know, all right, let's kneel, let's stand, let's kneel, let's stand. I, I, I don't mean to mock. I don't mean to mock. By any means. So, um, I said I wanted to again look into this um, idea of the fear of the Lord. It's so important. Notice that that scripture is so obvious. The fear of the Lord is the foundation. Okay, now a lot of times um, I think we tiptoe around this whole idea of the fear of the Lord. Okay? And we try to make it so that no one would ever think that our loving God, that anyone should have to be afraid of, our, our loving God, and we choose verses like John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him, etc. Right, First um, John four, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and he that loves knows God, and is born of God. The person who does not love cannot possibly know God, for God is love. Yes, we want to emphasize, of course. the love love that is God's, and uh, Romans 5, 8, which was another memory passage so far this year, for the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So we we understand that this thing is grounded not in fear per se, it's grounded in love. But it is important to know um, that that the the scripture does not vary on this truth. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, let's take a look at this. What does it mean to fear the Lord? The way of wisdom begins with fearing the consequences of disobeying God. Someone should say amen. That... And and that's why it says, this is not the high point, this is not the culmination, this is not mature Christianity to fear the Lord. This is beginner Christianity, but your Christian life, your relationship with God won't grow unless you have the deepest possible respect for God's way, God's rules, God's system. You are God's creation living in God's world. And if you try to do it on your own, by your own set of rules you'll have a really hard time down here. That's just simply the truth. Life will be very difficult. And that is the one thing that God wants to deliver us from. The the difficulty of a life that just keeps on plowing into another wall and making another mistake and doing some silly, stupid, foolish thing and then reaping the terrible consequences of, of bad behavior. So I think that sometimes we dumb things down a little too much when we kind of soft-soap the fear of the Lord. The fear... What is that? Oh, that's my... That is my cell phone um, that is Bluetooth to my amplifier. Now, now, all this technology works flawlessly, you know, but we'll get up here on Sunday morning and two or three mics don't work or this, you know... Uh, anyway, there, there are demons... There are demons that are specifically Pastor Joe. Can, will you will you um, affirm that they live in the wires? They live in the wires. Yeah, they are absolutely just there. They are. But we 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 rebuke you. We have victory over anyway. Being silly. Say what? Demons come to church more than we do. There you go. Um, this week I saw on a uh, a, a church sign. Um, a, a statement that said, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. Or no, it just said, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And I disagree with that. I understand what it says. And I understand where it says it. And I understand why it says it. And I also understand to whom it says it. And it is not saying that to all the people of this world that nothing can separate them from the love of God in Christ. No. And it is also not identifying anything internal. It's all talking about external. Shall nakedness, shall famine, shall peril, shall the sword, shall tribulation, you know what I mean? Like he's talking about all these, can anything external interrupt or interfere or remove us from the love of God in Christ? No. And all these things, Paul goes on to say, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So, the person who has come to know the Lord, well, in that case, yes, no one can separate the love that God has for you, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom um, and um, here's here is some here's a verse of scripture that. Maybe somebody here um, needs to hear this morning. Certainly this world needs to hear it. This is kind of like the major, big-time, unalterable law of the universe. N- rule number one, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will, of the flesh, reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap, reap everlasting life. That is the rule of the road. That is the way that it is. And so we are urged and advised to, to think seriously about what it is that we are sowing in this world. What are we planting in this world? Jesus himself teaches the fear of God. This, is, this I, I hope, will bring a sense of, um, well, an onus of, of authority on it, of course, but also it... Um, it just helps us to think more so as to not marginalize. um, Whenever we are marginalizing or trivializing or dismissing God, anyone who is marginalizing, trivializing, dismissing God should be afraid of God because it is appointed unto man once to die and after this, the judgment, right? And so that's a reality. Everybody has a date. Everybody has an appointment, appointment that you will not be late for. And that appointment is inevitable. It'll be the appointment that we have when we stand before the Lord. And so, with that in mind, um, Jesus teaches this. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him, who after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Now, am I trying to put just the big heavy on us? You know, here we want to talk about wisdom and Proverbs and all these wonderful, happy, joyful, encouraging things to put this big heavy about the fear of God. And not at all. You see, the fear of God is the beginning, foundation. And that's the important thing to understand, that it has a place in the overall sequence of our relationship with God. Okay, So the fear of the Lord, the the world would be changed very quickly if everyone in our world had right respect for God. If uh, people in our world began to have uh, a proper fear of the Lord, behaviors would change, lifestyles would change, all kinds of things would change in our world. Our problem in our world is that our world has no fear. Right? There is no fear of God anymore in this world, and that's why things are getting so crazy so fast. Now, if, if fear is the beginning, if fear initializes the proper relationship, and I, I tend to always um, use an illustration that's, that's meaningful for me, it makes me think of my dad. Now, my dad went on to be with Jesus about... Eleven years ago, yeah, and um, he loved the Lord. He was here every Sunday. My mom is here today. My sister is here today. Mom, raise your hand. Mom is over there, and she's still going strong for Jesus. And uh, my dad loved the Lord. My dad was a a great dad, Um, but I knew what it was. I knew what it meant to fear my dad. Okay, When, when I was a kid. If my dad went off and said, hey, Stevie, I got, you know, I want you to weed the hedges or don't forget to take out that garbage. I want you to clean up the cellar and make sure you get this or get that. And of course, I'd hear they go, okay, dad. And then I'm right outside playing ball or doing whatever, riding bikes or doing whatever I'm doing. I'm not even thinking about any of that until maybe three o'clock or 3.30. And I'm thinking, my dad's going to be home in a little while. I had serious trouble. Boom, <laughs> <laughs> get back home, start weeding, start pulling everything out of those hedges and Picking it all up, right? I had, that was a fear of God. Now, or a fear, that was a fear of my father. I, and it's, it's kind of blended with not wanting to disappoint, but also knowing that there will be a scolding, at minimum, that will come. And so it, it is a, a, it's a, an essential thing. Even, I'm going a little off on this right now, but even when God introduces himself to the Jews, right, on Mount Sinai, what's the message there? Love? Uh-uh. That mountain is on fire, and those people are scared witless of this thing. And they're saying to Moses, you deal with that. We can't deal with that. And, and it's, it, it's kind of like I, I, it, it, having been a, a teacher, school teacher for years and years. You know, we, every, every school teacher wants to be friends with their kids and connect with the kids, have a nice relationship with their kids. But if you don't establish some authority... If you, don't get, if you don't establish some, what I'll call, serious respect or fear, you're going to have mayhem in a classroom sometime around like November, December, January, and you're not going to get it back. Bill, is that true? Amen. Bill's a lifetime teacher as well. So, um, regarding that, you know, the, the story of my father, you know, as an adult, I couldn't have been more happy to do things for my father. My father father asked me to redo his roof. No problem. Happy to do it. Redo the roof. Build him a deck. Anything that he would ask, I was overjoyed to be able to do it. Why? Because fear had matured into love. And that's how it works. Fear matures into love. Let me show you how this is phrased. John makes exactly this point in terms of the fear of the Lord. Just so that just so that we understand its place in the overall sequence of things or in in the overall working of God in our life. So, did I get, okay. Okay, uh, I just have to, I thought I had it in there. But here it is. is, this is the passage from 1 John. We have come to know and to believe the love God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected. And this this word perfected means this is how love matures. This is how love grows to maturity. By this love is perfected um, in us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love so if If now all God is to you is a terror and all you can think about when you think seriously about God is, man, if I have to stand before God right now, I don't have no idea how I'd give account of myself. I think I'd be in serious trouble. Then the important thing that you should do is begin to really think seriously about all that and amend your ways, repent, believe the gospel, believe in Jesus Christ, turn your your life over to Jesus and, and invite him into your life to be savior. And Lord. And as that relationship matures, you will find that you will come to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the love the temporary we have for the people and the things of this world, as wonderful as it is, it gets just kind of it it just gets swallowed up in the love for who he is and what he's done and what he's about. Anyway, so that's the that's the idea. What happens to us is we, we have a, I, I had defined it a few weeks ago, a poll reversal problem. You see, if you, if, you, if you fear the Lord properly, you won't be afraid of anything else. If you fear the Lord properly, you're not afraid of who gets elected and who doesn't get elected. You're not afraid of the economy. This is not gonna be, you're not gonna rise and fall on what the GDP is next year. You're not going to be afraid of of, of things that are going on. You're not going to be afraid of disappointments or times of loss or hurt or whatever. It's just part of the life that that we're passing through. Because if we fear the Lord properly, that turns into love for the Lord and that turns into devotion toward the Lord and that turns into confidence that he's got it under control for me. All things working together for good to those who are the called according to his purpose. Right. So that that is the wisdom of the fear of the Lord. And, and 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 there you go. So fear of the Lord is the basis for true humility. It is the true antidote for the common everyday fears of life. Proper fear of the Lord. And I, I even we, we should learn. Here's here's a new little um, acronym thing we can use. F.O.T.L. L.O.L right? Fear of the Lord. Maybe, does there, is that already used? Or am I, am I coming up with something completely novel and original? Huh? Ah, oh, thank you. Thank you, my friend. Hallelujah. All right. We're, we're being silly. Um, so right off the bat with, with Proverbs, um, it, it, it discloses to us its purpose, which I think is wonderful. It lays it right out there. It couldn't be more plain. This is the purpose of the book of Proverbs. To teach people wisdom and discipline. And I think even on that, I I may have um, left kind of something with a blank, this, this very thing with a blank. Again, I didn't have as much time to really refine this thing, but I'll work on it more as time goes along. But I think I left the blank to teach wisdom and blank. Is that what you see there? Okay, good, thanks. And uh, what I want you to do is write your name in there to teach Steve Wallison, okay? It's, it's one thing, you know, those those people, they, they just need to learn wisdom. Yeah. No, it's us people. It's me. I need to. I'm the only person that has any control over what's going to happen with this life. And I'll tell you that the book of Proverbs sets you up for life success or life disaster. One way or another. And there's, oh, there's so many things to say about the book of Proverbs. I must press on. So here are the, the, here's the purpose of Proverbs. To teach people wisdom and discipline. To help them, oops. To help them understand the insights of the wise. To teach people to live disciplined. And successful lives. What God wants for you and I is to live a successful life. To live a successful life will be, um, will be acknowledged at the end of the road with the word from Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. That's the definition of a successful, a disciplined and successful life. To help people do, that's important too. Notice that it, it's not, we often tend to think of wisdom as something maybe synonymous with knowledge or with education, um, erudition, uh, ac- 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 you know, accumulating large amounts of information. But it's really not, that's not what wisdom is all about at all. Wisdom is not knowledge, it's, it's the ability to use knowledge in a constructive way to be able to, be, to uh, receive life guidance as you navigate through the many different changes and strange things that come your way. So, to teach people to live discipline, no, I'm sorry, to help them to do, to help them do. Uh, wisdom is about do, okay? Not about think, it is about do. These proverbs will give insight to the simple, whoops, these Proverbs will give insight to the simple knowledge and discernment to the young. So then you have that little thing to teach, just write your name in there, to teach whoever you are wisdom and discipline. Now, wisdom and discipline here are linked, okay? They are linked in the first verse of the, the passages that we looked at this morning. They're also linked in the last verse that we looked at. So the the Proverbs start by telling it by, uh by saying that these things, the purpose of these things is to teach us wisdom and discipline. And then the last verse says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So your reaction, my reaction to wisdom, God's wisdom, and that's another thing. We are uh, uh, That will probably be next, next week's message, because we'll need to look at, if we're going to study this, um, this concept of wisdom properly, we will look and see that there is actually a true wisdom, a real wisdom or what should be called a godly wisdom that meaning there is, a, there is a wisdom that accords with the word of God. It confirms it. There's also a wisdom or there's also a thing in this world that is perceived by many as wisdom but it is not godly wisdom. And we're warned to know how that wisdom ex- manifests itself and to not get sucked into it. Because, it, see, the, the, what the devil does with everything, he can't create anything. What he does is counterfeit. And he makes something that looks like the genuine article, but it isn't. Okay? And then it's deceptive. Every man is... Tempted when he is drawn away from his own lust and enticed, then lust, when it conceives, brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, leaves death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. The whole that whole idea that the devil's there holding something that seems to be the thing that you've always needed and wanted, but if you, in fact you even strive or or get that thing, you'll find out it was never that valuable to begin with. Ever, it was. And so anyway. Um, there is a godly wisdom, and there is a demonic or a devilish wisdom, and we'll take a look at that next week. The, um, the thing that is um, first presented to us here um, is this idea of wisdom and discipline. So we, they're linked together. They're kind of sisters joined at the hip, you might think of it. They only come as a pair, right? You don't get one without the other. Both are necessary. If you If you wind up with wisdom and no discipline, and, and what I'm saying, is, I, I will have to just kind of uh, define that a little bit. If you wind up with Bible knowledge, you got a lot of Bible knowledge, so stuff that should be maturing into genuine life guidance, kind of wisdom, the kind of stuff that is really helping, but all you've got is a bunch of knowledge about what the Bible says, but you have no discipline, then essentially what you have is a philosophy. Essentially, What you have is an opinion. And an opinion doesn't change anybody. An opinion is just your opinion. It's just what you think. What we need to have is the the wisdom of God that then begins to manifest itself in life. In the life that I'm living. That's the validation. That's the proof in the pudding, so to speak, that if you, if you are living and practicing God's wisdom in your daily walk, even most importantly in your relationships, the place where wisdom shows up or the lack thereof where wisdom, where it is so obvious whether it is in play or whether it is not in play, whether wisdom is, is in control and guiding or whether it is not in control and you are lacking wisdom will be in relationships. There's no fooling relationships, not not the real ones, not the spouse relationships, not the kid relationships, not the everyday work relationship. You know, I'm talking about real relationships, real things that matter, real real connections between human beings. That's where the wisdom thing is going to be most important because it takes, there's nothing more delicate in this world than relationships. There's nothing easier to wound and break and offend. And we are all so good, at, we, are so, we are all so practiced at being selfish. That relationships just kind of force us. We, we, we're also accustomed just wanting to be the center of our own little universe. And, and, and relationships just force us to come out of that and to interact with other people. And that's what we are meant for. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like last week when I closed it down. I, I'll have to bring it back next week. I was looking for a video to, um, uh, to, to kind of illustrate what I was talking about last week because I was talking about the ant, right? And, and so I was carrying, I, I, I had gotten um, this, uh, my, my daughter had gotten this ant farm for my grandson and then we had it and then we ordered some ants and put the ants in it and, you know, looked at it. And, ah, cool, that's really neat, you know, it's all this pile of sand and a little ant farm thing. Walk away for like six or eight hours and come back. It's like, wow. And, and so it brought me, and then all of a sudden it, it, I remembered that Proverbs talks about this. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Right? So it, it is particularly an admonition to a person whose problem is laziness. Okay? If laziness is your problem, go to the ant. Look at those ants. See what's going on there. And then in that little, in that little box that I had last week, <clears throat> here within a few hours, there must have been 150 ants in there. Everybody's doing what needs to be done. And they got tunnels going on. I was just watching a, a video last night of a guy who poured 15 tons of concrete into an anthill in Africa and then excavated Okay. And when he was done, it's like the thing, the thing was like 40 feet wide, probably about like 20 feet deep. And, and, and the, and it was built like so wisely and so well and so securely. And the interesting part is go to the ant, you sluggard and learn her ways and be wise who having no captain or ruler or overseer accomplishes all of her work without anybody watching anything. It's interesting too, I thought, that it's noting, um, go to the ant, observe her ways, and be wise. You know, the only useful ants are female, except under one set of circumstances. You can probably guess what that's all about, right? What are men good for? At least for that, right? So they, they only cultivate, they make, they only make male ants when they need um, more eggs to be fertilized. So they then create them. Then there is this fertilization thing that happens in, in one fashion or another. or sometimes they fly up and whoever can fly up and mate is the lucky winner. And uh, <clears throat> sometimes it's often, a, you know, whatever it may happen to be among the ants, um, There. uh the, the males, once mating is accomplished, die and they're eaten. <laughs> so we, I guess, guys, we should be pretty happy. We've got a few more <clears throat> assignments and responsibilities here than just that. And then, you know, get done, done. Anyway, but... <clears throat> Go to the ant and, and do. So the, the point simply being that w- when, when I was looking at, at that thing, the, the analogy that I wanted to draw and, and hope to communicate again today is can you imagine what the world would look like if the church worked according to the wisdom of the ant? <clears throat> if we were working according to the wisdom of the ant, we would be turning this world upside down. We would be influ. We would we would be so busy and so productive. We would be a miracle, and this is why the scripture says, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter three, that the wisdom of God was meant to be shown to the world. To, no, to the pr- principalities and powers through the church. The church was meant to show the world what the world would have been like if, God, if the world had not turned away from, and rebelled against God. Amazing. And so anyway, I, I feel like we ought to be thinking along those lines. I, like, I was thinking about ne- last week, and I'm thinking, you know, I, Pastor Joe, I would never have to preach a message about giving, tithing. <laughs> you would, no one would never have to hear it, because I'd walk in this place going, where's the, where's the offer, right? You know what I mean? And what can I do? Can I serve someplace? Is there some place for me to serve in this place? Is there anything I can do to be helpful? That's, that would be the attitude, wouldn't it? That's the attitude of the ants. I didn't see any ants like a group of ants kinda of sitting off, you know. And no, we're we're just not into this project here, you know. We're waiting we're waiting for something a little more enjoyable or convenient or some I'm waiting for something of my skill set with my with that has my gifting in it. <laughs> right? It would and, and so I'm I'm saying that if if this attitude were to if this attitude were to get a hold of us, this ant attitude never thought of it quite the ant attitude, that'd be Maybe write a song or something like that, right? But this kind of, how can I be productive for the kingdom of God would deliver us because it, it doesn't need somebody to run. So I got to go over to Jason here and I go, Jason, I don't, I'm, I'm a little concerned about, you know, how much money has been coming in from the family and, uh, you know, we haven't seen you at the last two men's Bible or whatever. I'm just picking on you today. But you know what I mean? Like none of that would be necessary because everybody would go, what can I do next? How can I help? That's, Am I right, Bill? That, that's how it is with the answer. So anyway, that was the whole point of last week. And, and it's probably about as far as I'm going to get here this morning in, in this message. So we, we've got the basic starting point, the purpose of Proverbs. This is why God gave, just think of how, what, how this applies to your life. How many want to have a successful life? Everybody's hand goes up. Everybody wants a successful life. Well, is it a mystery how to have a successful life? no. God says, if you do this, you will have a successful life if you employ wisdom and discipline. If you have wisdom, in other words, lots of Bible knowledge, no discipline, you're just a lot of noise. Nobody's going to listen to you and you will not have a life. So if they really looked at you and the way you live and your relationships and stuff about your life, they'd go like, no thanks. Or if you just have discipline... But you have no wisdom, then you're all kinds of no, you 're you're all kinds of energy and sound and, and 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 you know power, but it all will wind up being meaningless one nanosecond after your life comes to an end, and all of this discipline and all of this energy and all of this that you put into whatever it may happen to be, but that turned out to simply to be like you building your own little empire, and it was done in ignorance of the realization that you are God's creation living in God's world and you will only find your truest sense of destiny and purpose and fulfillment when you are doing what you are confident God is leading you to do as well as you can do it. Am I right? Isn't that good preaching? (laughs) Isn't that simple? Self-praise is better than no praise. But... That's about as far as we want to take it this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's about as far as we're going to be able to get this morning. So that's good. Now I've got another half-prepared message for next Saturday night, which saves me a lot of... (laughs) Anyway, glory to God. Glory to God. Let the Lord be praised. The point is this. There is not a person in this room. There is not a person out of this room that cannot lead a wise and disciplined and successful life, that cannot learn to do what is right and just and fair, and thereby inherit the blessings of the God who says, he that sows to the flesh, corruption down that road, but he that sows to the spirit of the spirit, that person will reap blessing after blessing and ever ultimately everlasting life. Praise the Lord. All right, so let's pray. Lord God, what a, what a privilege it is for us to come together in this place and just be able to sit under your word and hear it, to be influenced and affected by it because the world is, the world is, is lost and dying because they don't know who you are. They don't know what you're about. They don't believe. And yet we have been given this precious gift for you are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man, woman, should boast. You have given us this ability to believe you. Give us more of this ability, O oh God. It, as the, as the uh, person that you spoke to uh, one day, Lord, <clears throat> I believe, help my unbelief. Help our unbelief. Convert our unbelief into faith and into confidence And into energy and action, your word says, who is a wise man with understanding? Let him show it by his works that are done in the meekness of wisdom. So it's all about what the fruit of our life is and our choices is. And and we all need wisdom so desperately because we are walking through a world where we know almost very little of anything. And we certainly don't know what's coming tomorrow. And so, Lord God, we just pray today that you will help us to reach out and, and take hold of your wisdom, to seek you for it. Hey, can I give you an assignment? Can I give you an assignment as we close? I'm, I'm going to ask you this week to take at least a couple minutes a day to act, because here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you will raise up your voice, if you'll lift up your voice for wisdom, if you'll cry out for understanding, if you'll seek for it as for silver and search for it as for fine gold, if you'll hunt for it as for a hidden treasure, then you will find wisdom, for the Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So in other words, it's there, it's available. God is standing there, delighting in imparting it to you and I. But there is an incumbent aspect on us that we must ask God for this. It's reasonable. God doesn't want to impose Himself in any way on anybody. He wants us to, to, to get it, to wake up to it. and then say, So that's, what I'm, that's the assignment. Will you, will you take a few minutes per day and just say, God, I'm here to seek you for your wisdom? How many have a, a complicated problem or situation in your life right now? I'm not going to ask you to testify to it. Okay, yeah. Com- complicated or difficult problem in your life right now? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you need wisdom. Father, allow us, we pray, to discover your wisdom in humility and then to bear the good results and fruit so that the world can see what happens when you are in charge, that you may be glorified, that you may be honored, that you may be praised, that your church may reach the lost world. Thank you for... Bringing us together here today. Thank you for this wonderful book of Proverbs, full of wisdom and insight, giving us knowledge and understanding, helping us to know how to do what is right, just, and fair. So, bless us as we, as we allow these things to speak into, our, into the deep part of our life, into the reality of who we really are, deep, deep, deep down, down to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. To the very dividing under the, the the division of soul and spirit, the place where thoughts and in, the, the place of thoughts and intentions of the heart. Pray this now this morning, <clears throat> in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Amen.